Let's turn to the word of the Lord this morning. Please open your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19. We are in a series on caring one for another. I want to take you to a passage in 1 Kings 19. This is an amazing story. In chapter 18, Elijah is battling the prophets of Baal, 500 prophets of Baal, and he declares Yahweh as God because Israel had gone astray under Ahab and Jezebel, following after idols. Elijah rises up against it, calls for a drought. The people are uh, uh, in peril for this drought and calling on Baal. Elijah comes forth and talks about the God of Elijah, Yahweh, and proves and puts to the test Baal versus Yahweh. Guess who wins? Right? Fire from heaven consumes, awesome story, consumes the sacrifice. Elijah commits Israel to reconfirm their faith in Yahweh and kills the 500 prophets of Baal. And that's awesome. News gets over to Jezebel and she scratches a little note on a piece of paper, parchment, and it comes to Elijah and says, by this time tomorrow, you're dead, sucker, you're dead. I don't know about the sucker part, but that was... And fear grips the man of God. I don't care how many years you've been serving God. I don't care how great of a prophet you are to call fire down from heaven. We're all susceptible to the weakness of our flesh and the sense of fear and dread. And so Elijah in chapter 19 goes running. And so it says this. In verse 4, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a broom tree. And as he came under that broom tree, he asked God that he would die. It's not enough. It is enough. It's enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. There's nothing worse that grips the human soul when you come to the place where you realize there's nothing special about you. Your mama told you you were special. Your daddy told you you were special. Your sixth grade teacher told you you were very special. But when you come to the realization that without Christ, I can do nothing. Elijah said, I'm no better than my fathers, his ancestors, the other prophets. They couldn't turn Israel back to God. And he thought that he'd be the guy. He thought that this amazing demonstration to come against 500 prophets, it's no easy task to put yourself out there to say, okay, here we go. And the level of his faith to say, you know what? Pour all the barrels of water on the sacrifice. Do you understand what that meant? They were in a drought, people. And he asked for all the water that they had in a drought. And he said, take all that water and drench the sacrifice. They're going like, ah, no, ah, water. Drench it. 
because my God will change the environment, change the situation, change everything. And God brought fire down on a sacrifice that was soaking wet with the last drop of water that was available in Israel. That's faith, that's boldness. But he came to the place where when his life was threatened by Jezebel and that no one else was going to stand with him, he found himself out there on his own. And he said, I'm done. Ready to quit. Suicidal spirit. Take my life. I'm done. number of prophets have prayed that. number of people. I'm just done. And he lays down under a tree and he says, just kill me. Just kill me. And it goes on in verse 5, and he lay down and slept under a broom tree. Sometimes sleep is your only solace. Sometimes sleep is the only escape. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was at his head a cake on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and he laid down again. Went back to sleep. Verse 7, And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. He arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. Now, God showed up for this man. And what I love about this story is that God ministered to his body. He he had been in spiritual warfare, praying, fasting, and, and exerting himself in the Holy Spirit. He had depleted who he was, even in his identity and in his soul. And as he laid down, finished, God said, You need to have something to eat. I love how practical God is. Amen? God ministered to the man's soul. How many of you know we have feet of clay? And God said, I can't even talk to this man because he is so out of whack, out of of position. He needs to eat and just settle down. Go back to sleep. Have some bread, have some water, and sleep. Rest. Do you remember God invented the Sabbath? Remember, God's the one who says, you need to take a rest from all your labor, all your work. You need to get reoriented. You need to get yourself back in connection with me. You need to get yourself settled down. Have something to eat. So he slept. The angel woke him up. Now, I don't know if the angel baked the bread or not. I just think that's interesting. You know, like if you're sleeping there and there's an angel just cooking some bread, kneading it. Put it in the oven, fanning it. Baker angel. So he bakes the food, he eats the bread, but here he then gets a prophetic word. Eat, because you're going on a journey. You need to come back to where I make my covenant with Israel. All the way back to Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb. He's got to go all the way back to where Moses was. And I believe he's going to go stand in that crack on that mountaintop, in that cave where Moses was, where he saw the glory of God. And God spoke to Israel his promises. I will be your God, you will be my people. God didn't give up. So don't you give up, Elijah. 
eat. Get your strength back. And so what I want to share with you this morning is the fact that we need God to show up in our lives in very real and tangible ways. This is a story about Jesus, really. You see, the chasm between God and man was so great that we were in a place of death. There was no solution for our problem. We were starving for God's attention. We were starving for righteousness. We had none of it. We were ready to give up. Mankind was done under the power of sin and death. But God brought bread. God brought substance. He brought something that bridged the gap between God and man. He was a present help in a time of trouble. And God provided Christ Jesus, the bread of life, coming from heaven so that we could eat of Jesus Christ for the journey that we're going to be on as a people. So we need to get our strength so that we can go to Mount Sinai. We can go to Mount Horeb. We can go into the high places of God and meet with God and hear what he has to say for our lives. In a very real, practical way, Jesus, the image of the invisible God, Jesus is the one who is the present help in a time of trouble. Jesus is the reality of an invisible God that we can't see. The bread showed up for you to eat and the blood and the wine for you to drink. I thank God about that. God condescended out of his holiness, emptied himself in kenosis to become one with us as a man and to give his life for us. See, that's the bread of life. This is the salvation we're talking about. I'm not talking about a philosophy. I'm not talking about a religion. I'm not talking about an ideology. I am talking about a living, breathing Savior who has flesh and bone, who spilt his blood on this planet for my salvation and your salvation, who showed up when you needed him to show up so that you can eat of him and be satisfied. Food for the journey. That's what Jesus is. So that you could go to God and get your next assignment. That's what Elijah had to do. He walked and walked to Mount Horeb, walking on the food prepared for him by God. And I think that's an awesome, awesome word from the Lord. Psalmist says this, God is our refuge, and God is our strength, a very present help in a time of trouble. Now, the writer here, the psalmist says, God is a refuge, that's a hiding place. God is my strength, that's going to build me up. See, he's going to take me in and hide me under his wings, and he's going to strengthen me. But I love what he says, a very present help. I love those two adjectives, very and present. Because I need help. How about anybody here need help? I think you're all here this morning because we have all come to the knowledge we need help. See, we got really good self-sufficient people out here in the world. They're self-sufficient. But how many of you know human self-sufficiency will run out? 
Your money will run out. The medical profession will take it. Your money will run out. But it says very. The word very. He could say he's a present help, but what this word says is he is a very, very present help. The word means strong force, abundant, exceedingly, muchness. Then he says present. That means attending a, an attending habitation, occupation. He is an extremely occupying help. In fact, the parakletos is called, that's the Holy Spirit. The term for the Holy Spirit is one who is called alongside. He's a present help. When? In a time of trouble. You can count on him. Very present help in a time of trouble. I, I love this story. I'm sorry, this is going to be a real simple, real simple analogy, but the man was beat down, tired, debre- depressed, anxious, suicidal, and God brought him some bread and some water. Come on. That's a very present help in a time of trouble. You and I were desperate, depressed, suicidal under a curse of death, and God baked Christ Jesus, the bread of life, to come satisfy our spiritual hunger and to satisfy our physical need for a Savior. And so all of this to say that we have got to care for people. And what we have got to become is a very present help in a time of trouble. Let me share an illustration with you that most of you know. It's a story of a little girl in a big thunderstorm that night, and the lightning crashes as she's in bed. And she gets up out of her bed and runs into her mommy and daddy's room and says, Mommy and daddy, I want to come to bed with you. I'm scared. I'm scared. And the dad's going, man, this kid was in our bed last night. Just kicked me all night long. Go back into your room, honey. Go back to sleep. It's okay. Just pray to Jesus. He's with you. Okay. She went back into the room. Climbed under her covers. Another thunderclap and scaring her. The rain's hitting the window and she gets up. Daddy, daddy, mommy, I'm scared. I want to come in your bed. Please, please, let me come in your bed. The dad's starting to get angry. Come on, honey. You're a big girl now. Get back into your room. Mommy said, just pray, honey. Pray to Jesus. Jesus is with you. Okay. She went back into her room, hiding under her covers. Boom! The clouds, the storm, the lightning now is flashing. It's getting over the top of the house. You can feel the rumble. She's just scared to death. She runs into the room and says, i got to come into your bed. I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared. And they said, honey, we told you, Jesus is with you. And she said, I need Jesus with skin on. And That's what this world needs from you and I. Jesus with skin on. We need to be that for people. This is the spirit of our God. Consider Hagar and Ishmael. She was cast out. She was not part of God's plan and God's chosen. Cast out by Abraham. Sarah was a little ticked off with her and their kid. 
And as she's in the desert and in the wilderness, Ishmael's languishing on the ground, thirsty, dying of thirst. The mother is crying out, oh God. And what's interesting about this story is that God says, I heard your son's cry. He hears the cries of the little ones. He hears the cries of those. And she looked and saw out of the desert ground a spring of water coming forth. Did God show himself to be a present help in a time of trouble? There are little boys and girls around this community crying out for some help in the situation they're in. God knows that they need somebody and they need a present help in a time of trouble. There are people crying out in their situation. And God says, I have a help for you. It's the body of Christ. I left it here on the earth. I didn't take him out. I left my body to minister to any need sufficiently on this planet. Here I am in my body. And are we that present help? We've got to move into a new level of care, one for another and also for the Hagars and the Ishmaels. But they're not the same religion as I am. Yeah, that's the point. Because we want to show them the love of Jesus Christ that will overcome the religious jail that they're in. But they're sinners. They've got these issues and attitudes that I just don't agree with. Yeah, do you have the compassion of Christ who died for them? And we've got to be a present help for these people. We have got to come to people person to person. And so there is a big gap between us. And what I'm talking about today is being a presence in people's lives a present help in a time of trouble God did it for you and I and now he put his presence in us in the Holy Spirit is anybody saved here this morning anybody show me a hand if you're saved all right that means if you are saved you have the abiding presence of God's holy nature his spirit dwells within you and the person of the Holy Spirit. Spirit of holiness is within you. The very same power that raised Jesus from the dead is making alive your mortal body. You're the presence of God on the earth. You are a container of the presence of God. And so we have got to be a presence in people's lives. We've got to be a presence. But what we've done is we witness to people. God said, I don't need you to witness to people. I need you to be my witness. Well, we tell people words. But he said, I want you to represent me. I need you to be the presence in there. There's a gap from person to person. And we need to fill that space. But what's happening in our culture is the gaps are remaining and growing farther and farther between people. We went through this last week. People are not making eye contact with each other. This new generation doesn't know how to make eye contact. They, know, they, can, they can FaceTime you. They can text you. 
But making eye contact is something that is becoming less and less. We need to get in their face. And I mean that with all love. And fill that space with the presence of God. That means to give them full attention. You need to fill the gap. Full attention is a form of love. I like what uh, Thomas Merton said. We need to fill the space in between us. Thomas Merton said this, The beginning of love is the will to let those we love be perfectly themselves. The resolution not to twist them to fit our own image. If in loving them we do not love what they are, but only their potential likeness to us, then we do not love them. We only love the reflection of ourselves we find in them. That's heavy. We are so self-absorbed that the only reason we talk to people is if we like them. That's not our assignment. In fact, Jesus said, you're to love your... I'm sorry, what was that? Say it again. Love your neighbors. We've got a split decision here. And who else? Love your neighbors, but enemies. Oh, that takes it a lot, you know, that takes it a lot further. I can love my brother and my sister. I can love the family of God. Love my enemy. Love my enemy. Now, what that love means is to be present in their life. Now, some people hate you. Some people, you're an enemy to them. But they just don't know what to do when you show up as a presence in their life with a relentless pursuit of love. And to accept people, to begin to accept people for who they are. But see, we're not doing that. What we do is we go out there, and if you don't accept Jesus, we, you're, we're done with you. We did our job. We told you about Jesus. Now we're going to move on. Right? Jesus said, shake the dust off your feet, move on. But he tells us to become witnesses to them. And that means there needs to be somebody showing up. He says that your faith needs to bear substance and evidence. See, let's do the definition of faith according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the, this is the King James, okay? I'm going back. Faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. What's the blessed hope? What's the great hope? Jesus Christ. All right? So faith in Christ is the substance of things hoped for. We're hoping for the blessed hope. We're hoping for Jesus Christ. So there should be some substance to Jesus in your life, which brings evidence of what they cannot see. They can't see Jesus. They can't understand the gospel. So you are the substance and the evidence of a living Savior. We got to show up. There needs to be the presence of Jesus at your job. Not someone that talks about him. Not someone that leaves a track. Those are all good things. Praise God. Talk about Jesus. Leave your track. But somebody show up. Somebody be Jesus. Be Jesus on the drill press. Be Jesus at the computer table. Be Jesus at the crossing guard. 
Somebody show up with substance and evidence. See, all the world thinks is that we're just trying to convert them. We're just trying to convert them. They do not believe that we love them. They believe that they're a project to us. Come on, somebody, can somebody agree with that? Does somebody know what I'm talking about? What we have done with evangelicalism is we've turned witnessing into speaking to people, talking about people, and not loving them. He said, I want you to be my witnesses, not go witness. Be my witnesses. Show up and be a presence. Be the bread that they can taste and see that God is good. How many of you needed a presence of God in your life? You need somebody. You need somebody to show up. It's nice to get a card. It's nice to get a phone call. But when somebody shows up and say, what do you need done in this house? then something's being demonstrated. Jesus put it this way. Whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Jesus is rewarding you at every time you show up in his presence because that's him. Well done, faithful servant. You see, he's showing up, you're showing up, and he's saying, you know what, there's a water reward. How about that? I didn't know that. Did you know that? There's a reward for giving someone a cup of cold water. I wonder what the reward is for a cup of hot coffee. <laughs> now, reward for toast. I don't think it's categorized by what kind of food element or liquid you give people, Right? What do you think this thing is based on? When you think about it, we went over this verse last week in Matthew 25. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. Right? What is this, this grading and this testing, this, this judgment that you and I are going to stand before Jesus and be graded on the, how much we did with his Holy Spirit in us. And guess what? Some of it is not all super spiritual. It's like the bread that was cooked for Elijah because he had a journey to go on. The prophetic word was, oh, I got, you got a future. You got a hope. You got a, prophetic is a necessary thing. Speak the prophetic. Speak the promise. But also, show up. Be present in this person's life. Because even if you give them a cup of cold water, Jesus said, I will reward you. You brought me into that little child's life. This is an amazing thing. And so, you know what we have to do? we got to show up real. A real presence. Show up. You know, I've been meaning to talk to my neighbor. Really, for the past 15 years, I've been meaning to talk to my neighbor. We haven't shown up in our neighbor's yard. Maybe to get the ball, the kids kicked over the fence. But the church is in a new era. God is calling us into a new demonstration of witness. We all want signs and wonders. Who wants signs and wonders? I want signs and wonders. You know why? Because I'm jealous over my God to show his glory so that the lost would come in. But you know what? If the lost see a sign and wonder, 
but don't have any presence of Jesus from us, it'll just be another trick in their book. I'm wondering if God's going to say, you want me to show up? You go first. Because where two or more are gathered, there I'll be in the midst. You've got to gather. You've got to get there. And so I believe with all my heart that there is coming a season to the church. There is coming a time now where God is going to pour out his spirit mightily. But it's not going to be from afar. You can't watch it from your chair. You've got to be in it by your presence. And we're going to bring the love of Christ to people. We're going to care for them. You see, the gap between us and people is real. And the thing that keeps us from them is our judgment, our criticism, our opinions, right? And, and the, we're afraid. We're just afraid. This is going to take too much time and too much effort. I don't have that much time in my life to, to really take another uh, uh, project on. How many of you have felt that? I've felt that. And they even consider that caring for someone is a project. Come on, can we be real? That's what's keeping the distance between us and people. But there is going to be a compassion on us as a people. As, as we draw closer to Jesus, see what happens. What you set your gaze on, what you behold in your glory, you're being changed into that image. With unveiled faces, we behold the glory of God. And with an ever-increasing glory, we are changed into his likeness. If I'm being changed into Jesus' likeness, I have to be the present bread that shows up when somebody's hungry. I need to be present in their life. I need to be that. We need to be that as a congregation. We need to begin saying that to each other. You know the brother's got a, a problem? Great. Give him a call. Give him a card. Yeah, but show up. You, you see people here? Get together. We have got to be present in each other's lives. Something's happening to the, to the, uh, uh, the makeup of the American church. Because our culture is, is just segregating and separating in, in so many different dimensions and in different ways. I thought we were done with this racial thing. How about you? Did it? But it was just hidden. It was just hidden, right? This kind of hate and stuff in the church. What is that? It should not be. Am I right? And then now what's adding to that is this political separateness now. Now this party system and all this getting in the church, Right? And now we've got these gender fights and all this kind of stuff. And now we've got all this stuff. It's like, where's the church? We're all being segmented apart. And so we go to churches that, that we can go stay segregated and go home and not touch each other. But I'm telling you, there's a change coming to the church. Judgment starts in the house of God. And, and the, the churches that are surface and the churches that are big are all starting to crumble because people are starting to get hungry for real relationship. They want to get together with four or five people that really are in their lives and starting to connect. And so God is calling his church to reconnect, to come together, to gather together, to get past these things and to be a real presence. I need you to become a real presence, Jesus says. Well, I don't know their culture that well. Learn. Grow. Become me. Amen?
the love of God will supersede any distance between us. Amen? And this is what God is calling us to do, to show up real. I'm going to say it one more time. Show up, you say real. Show up. Show up. So don't forget that. Be a present, oh, I'm sorry, a very present help. I'm going to say it one more time because I like it. We have to be a very present help in a time of trouble. So we have to show up real, real at this time. Very simple message. And, and there, there's nothing fancy about this other than doing it. So let's close our eyes, bow our heads in reverence to a holy God. Father, would you speak? We've prayed for joy in the harvest. We've prayed for, we heard the prophetic word of a greater witness in this day. And you've told us what to do. Show up. Show up, church. Show up. Be real. Be me. So, Father, I, I don't have anything else to add to that. I pray this morning that we will bring cups of cold water. I pray this morning that we will bring joy. I pray this morning that we'll embrace. I pray that we would be as simple as baked bread and something to drink. I pray that we would do the simple thing of uh, ministering into people's lives. We may not have, Lord, super spiritual gifts, but we've got you in us, and you want us there. So Jesus, open our hearts and minds to be that, a very present help. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.